0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. In Mark the 8th chapter, as you begin reading that chapter, you might say, well, this is sort of a repeat. We're seeing another bunch of folks being fed. You're seeing another blind man being healed. And, And... you might just say, well, you know, this is just sort of a repeat. But I don't, I don't believe anything is in the Bible just to take up space. And, and what I see in Mark chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading first of all in verse 27. But in Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus laying out some rules of the road. He's laying out some rules of the road. Now, literally, he's on the road. You're going to notice as we read about Jesus, I hope you've already noticed in the gospels that he he was traveling. You know, he didn't sit up somewhere and make everybody come to him. Uh he went to where the people were. That's a good lesson for us, is it not? We can sit up in our ivory tower, we can we can shut up the kingdom of heaven to all those except the, to all except the ones that can climb the mountain to get here, right? Or we can do like Jesus and go down among the people. Now, now it, it's, not a, it's not easy to do that. And, it's, and sometimes you get dirty. I don't mean dirty by sin. I just mean sometimes it's, it's messy trying to share the gospel. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get rejected, you know. Showing love to people is not an easy thing to do. Showing charity is difficult and can be messy because sometimes you'll show charity to somebody that, that rejects it or you'll show charity to somebody who, who deceives you uh, into believing that they've accepted it and that they've made a change and they haven't. Sometimes you'll show charity to somebody who really intends to make a change <laughs> and then they, they mess it up because they're sinners. So you see what we do here is not pristine and clean and pure and easy okay. It's difficult but, but, but Jesus didn't clothe himself in, in robes of white that were, that were clean, and he didn't want to get them dirty and, and, and was careful about tiptoeing around. He didn't do that. He went down to where the people were. And he gave us some rules of the road here in this chapter that are important. <laughs> Let's just look at verse 27 to begin with. Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, that is by the road, by the roadside, by the road that they were traveling, by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. You know, when you start talking about Jesus and where you stand and... What you stand on, people will sometimes misunderstand, and they'll miss the point. They did here. But he saith unto them, that is to his disciples, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Verse 27 tells us that he is talking to them by the way, by the roadside. That's why I say to you he is giving them some rules of the road, rules of the road that they must travel, and that by the way you and I also must travel. The disciples learned a lot by walking with Jesus. They learned a lot when they were with Jesus. They missed a lot when they left Jesus. Just ask Thomas, the old doubter, Thomas, one day when you get to heaven, if he he wishes he had been there when the disciples were all together for the first time when Jesus came in to see them and he spoke peace. He breathed on them and spoke peace to them. Thomas missed that. He, missed, he went on for several more days in doubt and struggle and terror and stress and being upset, whereas those other disciples were just as peaceful as they could be because they'd been with Jesus. We learn a lot by walking with Jesus. What a lesson for us. Because you see, when it comes to our Lord, you need to know what He does. You need to know the things that He is about. You need to know what His business is. Because you see, one of the things we see immediately before uh, this, um, uh, this question and answer period here with his disciples is, is that he is in the healing business. If you hadn't figured that out yet, you hadn't been listening to the messages or reading the Gospels. He's going about everywhere. He's healing. Remember right here in this very chapter, verse 22, He cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. You know, I have yet to have someone needing my help who was whole. You ever notice that? I have yet. When someone calls me preacher, I need you. They're not calling me because they are whole and they're healthy spiritually or otherwise. They're struggling. It's messy, as I said, to serve others. Jesus was the healer. He was in the healing business. He didn't go to the gym. you know. He didn't go down to the box, Sister Lydia, where everybody's you know, all healthy and CrossFit and all this. And I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. But anyway, he didn't go down there where everybody's doing good. He went to the nursing homes. He went to the, he went to the place where the people were shut in. He went to the place where they were blind and leprous. They needed his help. I want to tell you, beloved, one of the rules of the road that you walk is that you're going to encounter people that are messy, that are in need of your help. Now, I don't, I know we're not talking about physical healing here. You and I can't, you know, I, I believe in divine healing. I just don't believe in divine healers. <laughs> You know, that's the best way I know to put it. I I can't go lay my hands on somebody and heal them. but, but, But I can help somebody who is sick, maybe physically, but most of the time when you're physically sick, you're also burdened spiritually. I'll tell you, I've never been sick yet where I felt like I was perfectly fine emotionally and otherwise. No, I needed help all the way around. And it's going to be a little messy. You're going to have to go to where they are and not reject those outreach. I've had I've had someone reach out to me this very week who is, is one of those situations where I'm sure it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to it's you know the easiest things to say, well, you know, good luck and I'm going to live. but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just say, oh, well, this is just too hard for me. I've healed a bunch of blind men. I'm tired of this. They brought this blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. I don't touch these blind folks. Boy, I'm glad Jesus did take that approach. I'm telling you now, I'm I'm not just preaching to you, beloved. I'm preaching to me. There's been times in my life where people were hurting and people were in need, and and I was just like, oh, I hope they don't call me. I hope they don't call me. You know, I mean, Now, that's terrible to admit. I'm telling you that. I hope I'm not the only one here who's done that. I hope you understand what I'm saying is that it's easier sometimes. There's an easier path to just reject those and to avoid those. But, beloved, if we would be following Jesus, we got to get down and dirty with the sick, the spiritually downtrodden, those that are in need. And, yes, it's sometimes going to be rejected. And sometimes you're going to be embarrassed. Sometimes when you reach out, they're not going to accept it. Sometimes they're going to act like it. But I'll tell you what, beloved, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say, well, you know, it's just not worth it. It might be embarrassing. It's going to be too hard. Here he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And you know... (laughs) i got to stop there and, and remind you about the heart of our Lord. And that's the kind of heart that we need. How many times have we already read he had compassion upon them? He had compassion upon the multitude. We're going to see that in a minute here. He, he looked around and he had compassion upon a leper. He had compassion upon a blind. You know, it would be easy. I'm sure, you know, maybe the blind man is blind because he did something foolish. Maybe the, maybe the leper was leprous because of some choices he made in his life about where he was going to live and what he was going to do. Maybe, you know, it would be easy to say, hey, you made your bed, you lie in it. I'll tell you. I struggle with that from, from the job I did for so long as a prosecutor. It's so easy to slip into that. Brother Bob knows what I'm talking about. When you get in law enforcement and you get to look at it, it's easy to say, well, hey, buddy, it's not my problem. You put yourself here. I have to struggle with that. I've had struggles over that because it's so easy to get to that point and say, you made your bed, you lie in it. What if you had walked past the prodigal son? as he sat down there in the pig pen with the hogs, would your thought have been, I wonder if there's somehow I can help him? Or would it have been like I'm afraid mine might have been? it's like, boy, what a sad case. He put himself there. He's going to have to deal with it. You see, Jesus wasn't like that. He had a heart of compassion. And he took the blind man by the hand. He, he, he reached out and touched his his brother, he reached out and touched this one that needed him and led him out of town. And now, this is interesting here to me. Why didn't he just say to him, Okay, be healed? You know, over in Matthew, Mark, rather, chapter 10, you're going to see he says that. There's a blind man, he says, Be it unto thou as thou will. And he just speaks it and he says, Be healed, and he's healed. But here it says, he led him out of town, spit on his eyes, put his hands on him, asked him if he saw anything. He looked up. He said, I see men as trees walking. Then he did it again, and he made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Why did he do that? I believe there's a reason here. I believe he's teaching us that there's all kinds of ways that he works in our lives. There's all kinds of different ways. Like I said, in Mark chapter 10, he just spoke the word and he can do that. He can divinely heal you. You, he can, you can sit in your house with a, with a terminal cancer and pray to God and he can reach down and he can take that cancer away in a divine and powerful and miraculous way. He can do that. And he, I believe he still does that from time to time. I, I know some people that have experienced that kind of healing. But he also can, and in my experience, most often does, come down to be with that person as they go to the doctor, as they seek the treatment and guides the doctors and guides them in a way that's a longer process, but he ends up bringing healing in that way as well. That's why we don't just sit home and do nothing when we're sick. If you come to me and say, Brother Chris, I've got the coronavirus. Uh, What should I do? Uh, Will you pray for me? I'll say, I will pray for you, but you go to the doctor. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say. Because that's exactly what Jesus uh, intends for us to do. But guess what? It could be that I pray for you, and the Lord, by a miraculous intervention, heals you of the coronavirus. It could be. He can. But he's teaching us throughout his all, whole ministry, that, that there's all sorts of ways that he works. Because he is in the healing business. Praise God, he's also in the feeding business. See, we need to know, we need to know what Jesus is about. He's not only, he's a divine healer, he's, he's the great physician, but he's also the one who feeds his sheep. He's in the feeding business. Verses 1 through 9 give us this this repeat, if you will, you, you might say, well, this is just a repeat, he fed 5,000 before and now we've got 4,000, isn't this just a repeat? Well, praise God! Yes, it is a repeat. I'm so thankful. You don't just eat one time a day, do you? I mean, I eat, I eat many times a day. It's pretty obvious, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I you don't just eat one time in your life and then you're okay, right? You know, you need to be fed over and over again. And Jesus is in the business of feeding his sheep. And, and I won't read the whole the whole uh, account here you read it sometime verses one through nine but but notice that he said in verse two i have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat you know i believe that's why zion primitive baptist church is here today because god has compassion upon his children And he wants his children to be fed. Yes, we need to be fed physically. But more importantly than that, we need to be fed spiritually. I believe that's why we're here today. Because the Lord had compassion upon us in this part of the country. We know the history there. We know how close this, in our eyes at least, how close this church came to dying out. You know the story about how I would wag my head as I go by and so say, what are we going to do when Aunt lorraine has gone? It's going to be a dead church. It's going to be an empty building. But praise God, he has compassion on the multitude. And back over in Matthew, this same account is written, and I love what he says in Matthew chapter 15. My goodness, what a, what a great statement. It's one of the greatest... Uh, statements in my opinion in the Bible in verse 32 of Matthew 15 he says I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way you know one of the rules of the road the way here the that means that word way means road one of the rules of the road and walking with Jesus is that you can feed if you want to There is a place for you to feed if you have the desire to be fed. You may have to go there. You can't just sit back and say, Lord, bring it to me. Now, he may be compassionate enough to bring it to you one time, but he's going to show you where to go. You know, there's no excuse for us to ever go hungry. There's a, I promise you, wherever you are, and if, if, if where you are there is no kingdom of God, there is no church, rather, there is no place of public worship that's preaching the truth, then pick up and move. I know people that have done that. <laughs> There is no reason in the nation we live in today, there's no reason with Zoom and with Facebook and with all the internet access that we have wherever that you can't be fed weekly with a sermon of God's sovereign grace. God is not, that is not the Lord. Well, the Lord just must intend it because there's no place here. No, beloved. He said, I will not. I will not. That's not my desire. I will not send them away fasting i will provide for my people i love my children (laughs) and i intend for them to be fed they got to get up and go to the trough (laughs) can't just think well the lord's gonna screw off the top of my head and pour it in (laughs) there's some effort that's required on our part but you i promise you little sheep of God little child of God there is a place where you can be fed you know I said earlier best case is here in person that's that's what he intends primarily but if you're off to yourself and you don't have any other access we got podcasts we got websites we've got we got just uh, you know you can read a sermon (laughs) if you're nothing else you can read and and listen everybody in america at least has got access to the word of god you can go down to the i've been walking through a a love's truck stop and they got little king james version bibles sitting there on the little little rack you can find the word of god he is in the feeding business you know (laughs) i love what he says Verse, back, back in Mark chapter 8, his disciples, now, now let, me, let me stop here and say this. You say, well, why are the disciples still questioning him whether he can, whether he can feed them or not? I, I'm not sure how serious they were seriously questioning him. You know, I've got just in my mind, it's just, this is me. Don't, don't take this, this is not scripture, but this is me reading the scripture and, and thinking about it. If I were there, verse 4, his disciples answered him, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Now, I got a feeling that maybe Andrew looked at Peter. I don't know who asked this question. Maybe, maybe it was Peter, maybe John. Maybe they punched each other and said, hey, what's this? Lord, how are we going to feed them? You know, Because <laughs> they've already seen him. Feed 5,000, so this may have been a facetious question. You know, it may have been just like, hey, what? Maybe, maybe they picked up another disciple or two. and said, yeah, let's, 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 let's kind of mess with him a little bit. said, Lord, where are we going to feed them? <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, because they knew that Jesus could, okay? But notice what he said. How can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Now, I've got to tell you something. All seriousness here. <clears throat> That's a question I ask myself weekly, or if we're having a Wednesday night service, bi-weekly, or twice a week, That's, How can a man how can a man satisfy these men with bread here in this wilderness? Let's put it in modern terms. How can a preacher feed a congregation? In this wicked world we live in. When the preacher is a part of that wicked world. When the preacher's human nature is just as wicked and depraved as the nature of every reprobate out there. How can it happen? Here's the answer. If you're being fed this morning, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Because I can't feed you. Brother Buddy fed me to the brim and overflowing last Sunday morning. And, and I was weeping through part of his service. But, you know, he can't do that. When I just stand around and talk to Brother Buddy, I don't get filled up and weep, you know. <laughs> I love Brother Buddy. Every once in a while if we're talking about spiritual things, maybe. But, uh, but, but he fed me. How was that? He's not that good. <laughs> it, but guess what? He's better than me. I'm not near even that good. But my point is this. I was fed last Sunday morning. And you know why? Not because a man can do it, but because God can do it. God can do it. They brought what they had. said, how many loaves have you? We've got seven loaves. You know, me or Brother Buddy may bring seven loaves to church, but there's no way we can feed you with those loaves. But it says he commanded the people to sit down on the ground and took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the people, and they had a few small fishes. Boy, I come to church so many times to get in this pulpit, and I think, Lord, all I got is a few small fishes. That's the way I felt this morning. I don't have anything but just a few loaves and a few fishes. I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to feed these folks. And I, if you're fed this morning, if you're sitting there, it's because the Lord has blessed the Lord has multiplied that which I had, which was not much at all. And it said, So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And he goes on to tell us there was 4,000. Seven loaves, a few fishes, and 4,000 people had a mess to clean up when it was over with. Think about that. They had so much leftovers, they had to They had to put them in baskets. Seven baskets full. That's a miracle, beloved. But you know what? Jesus is in the feeding business. He's feeding. He's in the business of feeding his children. And that's why you can come to church and you can say to yourself, oh, I don't know how it's going to be today. You know, Brother Chris is just a man. Brother Buddy's just a man. Brother John Morgan's just a man. They're not really going to be able to feed me. But yet you go away overflowing with leftovers that you chew on all day. I've been to those meetings where that happens, and it's not because we're such good preachers. (laughs) It's because He is such a good God. And He's in the feeding business. He will not send us away fasting. If you go away fasting, beloved, it's your fault. It's your fault. I'm not saying the preachers don't mess it up. sometimes. I don't mean that. But I'm saying if, you can't, if you're not being fed on a regular basis here today in the world we live in, it's your fault. Because the Lord will not. He does not intend for you to go away fasting because see he's also in the teaching business in the teaching business the 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 next part of this chapter of of mark tells us about how he goes to a place called Dalmanutha. in verse 11 says the pharisees came forth and began to question with him seeking of him a sign from heaven tempting him so we know something right here immediately We know that the Pharisees were not serious about getting with the program. They weren't really interested in the rules of the road. They were just there to trip him up. That's all they were trying to do. The Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And and by the way, I've already dealt with this once in a previous message. But notice verse 12. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. In a previous message, we've talked about our sighing Savior and how that when he was faced with a, a man who was both deaf and dumb, he looked up into heaven and he sighed. Well, this is an, this is an even more intense version of that sigh. That's where it says, the way the word re, uh, reads uh, literally in Greek is that it, it's, it's a sigh that comes up from deep down within your chest. He was groaning, if you will. He was... He was sighing in, I don't know, frustration, disappointment, sadness, all that maybe mixed in together. But notice what he was facing. He was facing a set of religious leaders, a a people that ought to know better, a people that ought to be more schooled in the old law to understand that, you know, he was was here as a... uh, as a result of the sin that, that the, the law was simply a type of, was simply pointing us to, reminding us of. But, but they were there just to tempt him. They weren't serious about it. And he challenged their hypocrisy. Look at this. He challenged their hypocrisy. He sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation elsewhere he says there shall no sign be given save the sign of the prophet jonah back in matthew 16 you can read about that what, what what's the sign of the prophet jonah what happened in jonah's day jonah went down in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights and then he came out that's the sign they're going to get it's you know they were looking for something different they, they the the religious leaders were looking for a Political leader, you know, you would think the religious leaders would be looking for the religious leader. But, but they weren't. They were looking for the political leader to, to carry them out from under the bondage that they were in uh, in serving the Romans. And they, they were expecting someone that looked a lot different than Jesus and acted a lot different than Jesus and taught a lot different than Jesus and was going to come in and take control of their country and lead them in a political way out of the bondage. Let me just remind you as we come upon our election day soon that our election day will not deliver us the politics of this nation are in a horrible shambles and we ought to be worried about electing leaders that are godly and god-fearing people and that are going to follow the dictates of scripture and and i hope we do and i hope the ele- i have my preferences and i hope the election goes the way i want it to go but i promise you one thing that even if it does it will not deliver us the Pharisees wanted that kind of deliverance. They wanted political deliverance. I've quit watching news. I'm tired of watching news. I get ag- aggravated and upset when I watch the news. I'll, I'll check on it every once in a while. But I'm not interested in that kind of news. I'm interested in the news. If the, what, I'm, what I'm waiting for is not the election returns. I'm waiting for the Lord to return. <laughs> That's what's going to deliver us. And nothing between now and then will. I don't care if your party wins every election from here on out. It will not fix things. Things can be better, yes. And really, but what are we wanting? We don't want a, we're not wanting some kind of theocracy. We just want to be let alone. We just want to be able to live peaceably with all men. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's not coming down in some election. It's with com- it's, it's with. Them. To be able to worship freely. That's why I think America's been such a great nation. Because it's allowed us to be free to worship according to the dictates of our heart. <clears throat> Certainly we ought to be praying that the Lord will give us leaders that will free us to do that. I see danger signs on the horizon. I see encroachment upon religious liberties coming, and yes, that worries me. I'm not saying we bury our heads in the sand and do nothing, but I'm saying we don't go running around like a chicken with his head cut off. We don't run around saying the sky is falling. No matter who wins in November, I'll tell you, beloved. There was a time when the nation, uh, when the people of God were in greater bondage than we're in today. They were in they were in a place called Egypt under a pharaoh that hated them and a people that oppressed them and put them in bondage. But but praise God when things got so bad when the darkness was all over the land of Egypt, there was light in Goshen. When the water ran like blood in Egypt, the water was pure and pristine and goshen where the people of God dwelt. I say that to remind you, God will take care of his people. Oh, there, we may hurt, we may struggle. And there have been times when the church of God has been underground. But I'll tell you, beloved, God loves his people. He loves his church. He died for his church. You think he's going to give up his church <laughs> to the politics of man? I don't think so. See, he's in the teaching business. He challenged those Pharisees. He challenged his disciples. Look, look as we continue reading here. He said, there's no sign except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Who's going to begin. And he left them and entered into the ship, departed to the other side. And now the disciples, verse 14, had forgotten to take bread. <laughs> this is a good lesson here coming up, beloved. They had forgotten to take bread, and they had in the ship with them more than one uh, Neither had, had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. They had all those seven baskets of bread, and they left them, I guess, forgot them, and they, they only had one loaf of bread to eat with. And he charged them. Now, here's where he starts teaching them. He says, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Here's another rule of the road. You be careful about what you hear in the world. You be careful about what they're teaching you out there. You kids that are in college, you be careful. I, I, it's not it's all of us need to be careful but you you kids you young folks that are in college you be careful because there is a concerted effort there to to impose upon uh children of god the teachings of egypt the teachings of this world he says you take heed that the leaven of the pharisees don't doesn't overtake you you know what does leaven do it plants it's like planting a little seed and it grows and it takes over you put just a little leaven in the lump, and then the whole lump is leavened, right? You be careful. Don't let the devil get even a foothold in your life. Don't let even a seed of doubt and a seed of, 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 of challenging God get into your life from any source whatsoever. So you take heed. But now look at this. <laughs> and they reasoned among themselves, saying, oh, it's because we have no bread. Now, first of all, they missed the point. But, but let's don't be too hard on them. How many times in our lives have you and I missed the point? How many times have you and I misunderstood what the Lord was talking about or what we need to be doing? let don't get too hard on them. I mean, I I do sometimes, but let's don't be. T- you know, old Peter, sometimes I I just kind of shake my head when I see Peter speaking when he ought to be quiet, and then I think about how many times I've spoken when I ought to be quiet, see. But notice what they're doing. <laughs> Let me, just, let me just tell you this about Jesus. And it, it ought to be the way we act in life. Jesus never spoke with a hidden meaning. Did he? He, he wasn't some kind of passive aggressive uh, rabbi. He, he didn't speak with some kind of hidden meaning. He always said what he meant. And he meant what he said. When I was... District Attorney, Brother Buddy, um, I think he and I actually talked about this one time. Had about 17 or 18 people working for me. I always had this conversation with the folks that I was talking to. Don't read into what I'm saying anything that's not there. I'm going to tell you if there's a problem. Now, inevitably, I had through the years, the 20-something years or whatever that I was um, in charge down there, I'd have an employee or two, I'd, I'd tell them something, I'd say, you know, uh, go, get me, um, go get me a Diet Coke. And, and next thing you know, I'd hear that that employee was devastated because they knew that what I meant was, you hadn't got me a Diet Coke and I'm mad at you now, you know, you, you should have already gotten me one, you know. That wasn't what I, that was not... What I meant, I had no, I meant, I tried to always say, you know, we always tend to, let me just say too, before I go any further. I'm not saying I'm perfect in that regard, and you're not either. We always say, well, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. Sometimes we don't do that, okay? But, but here's the deal, Jesus never did that. He always, and we ought not do that. We ought to mean what we say and say what we mean. We ought not have these, you shouldn't have to figure out what I want. I learned that early on in my marriage. You know, I, I don't need to be assuming that she knows that I want to watch the ball game on Saturday. Or that I want to go. I, I'm, unfortunately, sometimes in marriages, we assume the other one thinks, knows what, that we're on the same page, you know. And, and I need to be speaking what I mean, say what I mean, and speak it plainly, like Jesus did. That's what he was doing here. They were reading into it. But he said, He said, this is what I mean. He said, quit. He's challenging their faithlessness here, their faithless reasoning. He said, why reason ye? Because we have no bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have have ye your heart yet hardened? Are you so faithless you don't get what I'm talking about? Having eyes see ye not, ears hear ye not? Do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? They say unto him, twelve. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, seven. He said, I "And mean, how is it that you do not understand? And what he's saying here is this. I'm not talking to you about physical food. If I were talking to you about physical food, I would have said I'm talking to you about physical food. I'm talking about the teachings of the Pharisees. And he's reminding them of his divine power. He said, I've got the power. I don't have to ask of you to feed me. He, they do this all the time. They say, oh, what's he talking about? He's talking about he hasn't eaten yet. He's hungry or he's or nobody's gotten him any water. Where do you get this water to drink and this sort of thing? They do this the whole time. They do it all the time. But he says, don't you be worrying about that. I am the son of God. <laughs> I'm divine. And I can I've got the power to take care of myself. What I'm doing is teaching you to beware of those false teachings and, and those deceitful attitudes and the hypocritical approach that the Pharisees have and Herod has. See, Jesus, you need to know, you need to know about him. You need to know what he what he does. He's in the healing business, he's in the feeding business, he's in the teaching business, but praise God more than anything else. And this is a this is something that the world misses. He is in the saving business. He's not in the trying to save business. He's in the saving business. Look at, look at verse 31. You remember our, our, our text we took from verse 27, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered John the Baptist, and we'll come back to that at some point, I hope, maybe tonight. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And notice what Peter, we get on Peter, like I said, we, we, we give him grief because he, you know, he speaks up sometimes and sometimes he ought to be quiet, but not here, praise God. He said, Thou art the Christ. Elsewhere in Matthew 16, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you remember how Mark started out? The very first Verse of the very first chapter of Mark said, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what Peter's saying here. He's preaching the gospel. It's good news that Jesus is the Son of God. You know why it's good news that He's the Son of God? Well, it's good that He's a healer. We all need healing from time to time. It's good that He feeds us. We need to eat. It's great that He teaches us. We need to know the truth. But more than anything else, we need salvation. He's in the saving business, and if He were not the Son of God, then He could not be the Savior of His people. But notice here in verse 31, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. (laughs) Oh, praise God. What He's telling us, this is the linchpin of the gospel. This is the the very reason He came here. He came to heal, yes. He came to feed His sheep, yes. He came to to teach us, yes. And most people stop there. But beloved, I'll tell you this morning, as I stand before you on the authority of the Word of God, He didn't just come to do those things. Those are byproducts of the fact that He came to save His people from their sins. Matthew 1 and 21 teaches us that plainly. Someone asks you, what do you believe at Zion, Primitive Baptist Church? We believe that He saved His people from their sins. He didn't make them savable. He didn't give them a bunch of teachings about a pathway that they could walk in order to get to heaven. He didn't didn't, uh, make them savable, as I said. He saved them from their sins. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. You're gonna see here at some point as we get to it, where Peter Peter said, Oh no, not not you. No, not you, Lord. I'm not gonna have that. Well, you know what the Lord said, I'm not gonna have that, Peter. Because this is the reason I came into the world. In John 12, 27, he says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? In other words, Am I going to go to the Lord, really, and say, My Father, Lord, just take me away from this hour? He said, For this cause came I unto this hour. What hour is he talking about? The hour of crucifixion on Calvary. As Calvary's storm clouds are gathering on the horizon, he's troubled in his soul because he knows what he must suffer. He must suffer many things physically he must suffer many things emotionally but more, more than anything else he must suffer many things spiritually I believe the most uh, the, the, the worst suffering that he endured on the cross is being separated from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit had been in perfect fellowship from eternity past, they're in perfect fellowship today and will be for eternity future but on that cross of Calvary that fellowship was broken because he became sin for us and God can. Uh, he cannot have sin in his presence and he in the very uh, in the very hour of calvary the darkest hour of the life of the son of god he experienced the greatest suffering more than you or i will ever know what does it mean to to go to be cast into hell well it's physical suffering and separation from god for all eternity what did jesus endure on the cross The greatest physical suffering a man could ever endure and separation from God. And since time means nothing to the Godhead, a second or eternity is the same. And beloved, he endured that for his children on the cross. You know why? Because he is in the saving business. You know, I see men a lot of times that open up a new store or open up a new business, and they're gonna start building houses. I know, I know of a couple of situations where, where a man uh, started a construction company, had no experience, and he started up the construction company and it didn't last very long. You know why? He was there to build, he was in the business of building houses, but the houses he built were off square and foundations weren't too good, and next thing you know, the houses had to be fixed up. They had to be redone. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, We serve a God who's in the saving business. And the work he's done doesn't have to be redone. The work he's done doesn't have to be completed. He finished the work. He tells us on the cross, it is finished. You know, isn't that a glorious statement there? It is finished. You know what that statement? That statement was made immediately before the Lord Jesus Christ gave up the ghost and died. You know, in a court of law, hearsay is not admissible. If you say something outside of court, and then I try to repeat it in court, that's objectionable, okay? In the courts of this land, something, you know, Brother Buddy says, I did this, and then I try to come in and say, Buddy said he did this, that's not admissible because it's hearsay. Unless it's a dying declaration. That is his dying words. That's an exception. It always has been an exception to the hearsay rule. Notice when Jesus said, It is finished. Beloved, in the courts of this land, that would be it I mean the people of this God's people in this world go around struggling because they've been taught that it's not finished. They've been taught that there's still something left for them to do. That Jesus was in the somewhat saving business, but He didn't quite get it done. I want to give you a statement that will be the exception to the hearsay rule in the court of your conscience and heart. Okay, in the court of your heart and mind, uh, you know, yeah, okay, hearsay is not admissible. Admissible. Let me tell you something. This is a dying declaration of of the Son of God Himself. It is finished. It is done. It's complete. He did what was necessary for his children to be saved. And if you're worried about the hearsay rule, it doesn't apply because it's a dying declaration of a successful savior. If you're still struggling in your conscience that there's something left to do. You don't feel completely uh, secure in what the Lord has done, let me just give you that. It's admissible in the court of your heart and mind as a dying declaration. Of the Son of God. It is finished. He is in the saving business. You need to know. The businesses that Jesus is in. You need to know what he does. That's one of the rules of the road. There's a few more here. That we're going to come back to. But praise God. He is a. He is a healing. Teaching. Loving. Compassionate. Successful. Savior. It's finished because He finished it. Praise God. We can rest in that. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.